Hi guys, welcome back to the original judo podcast. We are joined this week by, well, she's a former uh, British champion. She recently won bronze at the Commonwealth Games. I am delighted to have uh, Malin Wilson on the call with me. Malin, how are you getting on? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm very good. I'm not sure the excitement when I start the interview, just a little bit. So. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It makes it easier. Um, so you're just coming off the back. It's it probably feels like ages ago now, but you it's only two or three months out from a Commonwealth Games. Um definitely gonna dig into that today. First of all, thanks for joining Go the call. But could you let us know a little bit about how you got started in judo? Um I know it's from the far north of Scotland and uh where you're at now. So as far as things that seem a long time ago, that does seem like a long time ago. Um, I started in Invergordon Judo Club, which was an hour and a bit away from my hometown, which is Olipool. And I basically got started because I knew that my dad had done judo. There was a time when he was given sort of wee classes in our a leisure centre in Liverpool, but I couldn't do any judo at that point. Um, and then he stopped whenever I was at the age where I could do it. But I used to watch and I liked it. Um, and I also knew that his dad had done judo. Um, so I asked if if we could find somewhere to do judo. And the closest place was in the garden. And he said no. <laughs> <laughs> So that was that was that, and I continued my life until I was thirteen. And when I was thirteen, my youngest sister, so there's three of us. One of the middle sister did ballet, and she was always trekking to Dingwall with my mum, who was doing yoga and tai chi, whilst she was waiting for my sister. And the youngest one, thankfully, also asked if she could try judo. And then, yeah, of course, of course we can. And I was like. All right, where to go? <laughs> oh, is she the baby? Yeah. She always had the, the preferential treatment. Not always, but she did there. And <laughs> and luckily enough, because I wanted to start. So the idea was that if she wanted to go, then there was three of us. So that made it worthwhile. Um, and I fell in love on, on the first day. I just, it was James Miller's club, his dad's club. Uh, his dad and, and Bill Beavis, they were, they were the two coaches there, and um, I just loved it from the first day. So how... And from there, I just tried to do more and more. <laughs> that's am- so that's, that sounds like a really late start in judo, effectively, 12 mm. or 13. Um, and then you're traveling, like, you're doing it once, twice a week, where you, you're traveling 90 minutes each way? Once. Just yeah, once, yeah. A week. once a week. Once a week, um, on Saturdays. And... As soon as my dad kind of realised that I loved it, we looked for for another club. And uh, we found one in Inverness, Highland Budokan. Okay. And okay. they trained, I think it was Monday, Wednesday and Friday they, ch- they trained. But obviously living in Olipool, uh, couldn't couldn't go all the time. So once in a while we'd go through on a Friday. And then once in a while we'd go through either on a Monday or a Friday. Until... I decided that 
I could work my way to get to Inverness and I would go on a Monday and a Friday and I would go as far as content either either my parents would bring me or most mostly I'd hitchhike to be honest um and then I'd stay at someone who I didn't really know but he went to the club as well and um, his parents would give me give me some dinner and then and then they dropped me off um at, at judo and I'd come back this is if my dad didn't go well once in a while he'd go and then at night on the way back they'd come back for me so we did that and then once in a while because the story only gets more crazy then once in a while we'd go through to all this on a Tuesday once in a while and once I finished doing my hires and at my and my advanced hires once I finished school um I got a job and I would work every day. Well, I already had a job, but like I got a job instead of being at school. And I would take a day off on the Wednesday because our bus is in from Olapool is one in the morning and then one at night. <laughs> so kind of difficult. And I would travel all the way to Inverness on the bus. And if I didn't get the bus, I would hitchhike. And I would wait in Inverness until 4.30 <laughs> when, when one of the girls there that also trained in Highland Budokan would finish school. And from there, her dad would take us to Edinburgh to Rathal and we'd do the Wednesday night session, which was two hours. Oh my God. Then drive all the way back to Inverness. But obviously at uh, half 12, one o'clock in the morning, I couldn't get home, so I'd stay at hers. And then I'd get the first bus in the morning at 8.30 from their house back home and go to work. Nice. Unbelievable. I'm trying to, for the, for the the people listening who haven't got a mental map of what Scotland's like, and mine is getting more hazy the, the longer. It I'm, just sounds long. It just sounds long. It sounds long. But is that, what's the most northerly judo club you went to? It sounds like you're coming south constantly <laughs> to get to yeah. judo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In- Invergordon is the most northerly. Invergordon is kind of like on the same horizontal line as Inverness, more or less. A little bit more to the east. Um, and then Edinburgh is another three hours from Inverness. That is, <laughs> that is hardcore. And then, obviously, like, what age are you at that stage? Because I remember literally... I think you, did you move to Ratho in 2013? Start doing full-time in Scotland in 2013, yeah. which was just so, before I retired. So I, you only got 18 months of um, my absolute bullshit. Um, <laughs> I remembered it for the I rest of my life. <laughs> um, how old um, were you when you decided to go full-time? Like what, what goes into that? So after doing all that madness to Edinburgh and back, um, I told my parents that I was going to take a year out and they said I could only take a year out if I then studied something. So um, I left at 17. Yeah, I left at 17 and I went to France. I went to Lyon because I was like, well, the French are good at judo. So I went to <laughs> France. And I trained in a club and one of the Pôle Espoir, you know, like the training centres that they have. Mm-hmm. I trained in one of them. And I was there for seven months. And then I came back to Scotland because uni was starting. And I had I had that as a 
a deal with my parents that I could start training full time at Rathal if I if I started studying. So in September two thousand and thirteen, that was me in Edinburgh, and I was there for eight years. Oh, amazing! Um, training always training full time, managing college and work alongside it. Yeah, uh, work, coaching, and uni alongside training. Awesome. Now you've just competed at the Birmingham Commonwealth Games, um, representing Scotland, where you won a bronze medal. So massive congratulations there. Thanks. Um, like I hear it was a bit of a journey to get there. Um, like what was that qualification period like for you? It was basically that I didn't know if I was going to make it. Is that because um, you, you snapped your ACL? Did you have? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I snapped. I snapped my ACL in in November of last year, and within a week, um, I was operated on. So oh, the wow. recovery, yeah. Uh, apart apart from the actual injury itself, I had the best luck afterwards. Um, was it was it so fast because you were looking ahead to Glasgow, or were they just able to get you in straight away? They were just able to get get me in straight away, having contacts basically, yeah. and and good people. Yeah. Um, so the idea was to see if I could compete. And there was never a, we're definitely, definitely making it. Uh, we're going to do everything we can that there was. We were going to do everything that we could to do it. But if we got there and it was going to be too much of a risk, then it was off the carts. Yeah. Uh, but we did, we just did everything right. And like I said, I had the best luck. Like I had the best team. I had everything after the injury went well. <clears throat> but it was... As they say, I guess, hit or miss. <laughs> so you you get to the Commie Games and you've, I, I guess at that stage, the, the goal is just to make it. Once you're there though, and I'm again, I'm speaking from my experience, like I always ever wanted to go to an Olympic Games and then you get there and you start going, oh, I believe it could be, it could be the one. <laughs> like knowing that this is your, your literally... Uh, it's not you return from injury, but it's only a few weeks out, like the first, first, second event back. Do your goals yeah. change when you're announced as part of the team? Do you start to get that little surge of, oh, what if? Yeah, I think I'd go as far as saying um, you get the surge of, no, I have to. Like, okay. I have to, I have, I have to get a medal. And that started quite a lot before, like once, um, once I did a few training camps to see if my knee was all right and I started little by little doing a bit more randori. Uh, then I had to compete to see if it was fighting fit on the books and I took a medal there even though I felt like shit fighting <laughs> I felt so bad but I did it did it and I already had in my head that Whatever happened, I had to take a medal at the commies. I had to take a medal. That I wasn't giving myself. I wasn't imagining going to the commies. Like I wasn't imagining all of what what the commies actually is. Just that if I'm fighting, 
I have to win a medal. Happened to be at the Commonwealth Games and it was an incredible experience. But narrowing it down to actually just fighting, if I was fighting, I had to get a medal. That's, <laughs> that's all I had in my head. Does that become a pressure when you're at the event? Or again, does having the fact at that, that you, one, yeah. Does it really like is, is that because you're that fighting one. in front of a home crowd, or is it just because um, I don't know? Is it a representing Scotland thing? Is it because yeah, you've got a lot of British eyes, selection eyes on you, or again, is it just the opportunity? Is it it's, it's all come from self? It's kind of all of that in terms of um, having selection eyes on you or British eyes, as you say. It's tricky because you know if you do well, then it might have it might like leave a little um, memory with them. Yeah. If you don't do well, then it will also leave a memory of yeah. But remember at Commonwealth Games. But at the same time, they also go yeah. But it was Commonwealth Games because as big as commies is for for Scotland. In terms of judo, it doesn't actually mean anything for for like the judo world. So it's really tricky because it can work either way for you. Yeah, no, totally. So um, there's that sort of uncertain pressure. And then I think the actual pressure comes from, or certainly for me, it kind of came from, I'm fighting for Scotland. Like, for Scotland. We never fight for Scotland. And I had to try and explain this to my coach, who's diehard Madrid, diehard Spanish. And he was like, will you just stop getting so nervous? It's still weeks away. And I was like, you don't understand. <laughs> and he did not understand until he got to the arena. And afterwards, he was like, yeah, I totally understand. <laughs> He's like, that was not like anything I've ever experienced before. He was like, that was amazing. Oh, really? I was like, well, that's what I was trying to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) So having spoken to like the likes of Ewan, um, a handful of the Scottish guys way, way back. and, And again, like being around them, James Miller, being around all those guys, uh for Glasgow 2014 and yeah that how important it is for them for everybody to be represented having the opportunity to represent Scotland it's it's such a massive thing it's like it's really it's odd I think because it's something that we never get to do it makes it it makes it a lot bigger um my whole village Obviously, they know Malin does judo because my village is really small. There's 2,000 people. But all of a sudden, as soon as it was announced that I was going to the Commonwealth Games, my whole village started sending me Facebook messages. My whole village seemed to be on Facebook. Messages and messages of, oh, my God, all your dreams have come true. And I was like, this is, in- this is unreal. Like, there was just oh, I love suddenly this. all this all this noise like it's not even that I existed but I was going to the Commonwealth Games there was someone going to the Commonwealth Games from our village I was getting messages saying well we're all going to go to 
to the local pub and we're going to put a big pot on the table and people will put money in it and like they, they were like living for it it was it was so loud so suddenly I was like oh my god like they they don't they don't know when I when I get second in an open yeah they, they, they don't know what that is but Commonwealth Games is a title that re- that they recognize because it features something that Scotland represents. And being Scottish, well, we're just proud people, aren't we? And it was really odd. Like I don't I don't know how to explain it without sounding mad. Um I'm fighting all the time, right? So every time you go and fight, you have to have a backpack because that's just the rules of judo. And I'm, I'm proud to fight whoever I'm fighting for, whether it's a club, whether it's Great Britain or whatever. I'm proud because it's what I do. But I never, like, I just put my, my kit on and I fight. And <laughs> I, this is going to sound mad. Um, I could feel the back patch. Like, literally. <laughs> I, could, I love that. <laughs> could actually feel the back fat on my back it was <laughs> I, I'm, I swear I've not taken anything today or any other day I'm <laughs> totally normal but I actually could feel the s the c and the o on my back and it was just like it's not a bad feeling don't get me wrong but I was so aware of, of the, the of people the watching yeah yeah Family, friends, oh, like wider community from your village. I love that. Suddenly, flags like all these Scottish flags in Birmingham, and like for the for the final block, um, after I got my medal, I was looking around and I was like, "Wait a minute!" I went to school with her. <laughs> oh my and god! There's this, gr- there's this girl in the crowd crying her eyes out, and she's like, "I'm so proud of you!" And I was like. <laughs> Well, I was like, Elizabeth, that me and her did advanced higher uh, Spanish together. And we were the most sporty in our of the girls in our year. And we did all competitions, loads of football tournaments, everything. Like a really, really good friend of mine. And she'd come to watch me at the game. She was like, I'm so sorry that I didn't see the start of your of your day. But uh, since you were fighting for 13 minutes, I feel like like, like you made up for it in the last fight. <laughs> That's amazing. It was just That's mad. Such a nuts. great story. And then, um, okay, so like building on that, I want to I want to step back in a minute, but building on that, like, have you been back to Ullapool since? No. Have you not had a chance to go and see and go to the I pub? I haven't been and back since I moved. Okay. I haven't been back since I moved. Um. I was, I was looking forward to going back like at Christmas time when I kind of, although Commie Games, like you said, is a little bit in the, in the past now, I know that when if I were to go, it would suddenly light up again um, just because I know what, what it's like up there. Um, and I've not, I've not been back to Scotland other than for, for Commies. I've not been back since I moved here. Um, which is now over three years. Yeah. Uh, and I thought I was going to be going back this Christmas, but turns out I'm, I have other plans and I'm going to Japan. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah. 
and you, you're obviously talking about moving to to Spain, but I want to I want to we'll get to that. You're racing ahead of me. <laughs> um, were you surprised you get to the Commonwealth Games? Like you you're feeling like the pressure or the importance of the event for you? Um, were you surprised by the scale of it? Like my personal experience watching it, um, similar to yeah. Glasgow, was it was amazing. It was just this spectacle. Like it was incredible. They did, they did it so so well. And like I said, my coach, he couldn't comprehend why I was so nervous. But I watched all you guys in in Glasgow. Like I was there, and I was there in the lead up to it, and then I was there at the games. And I just remember thinking, I want this as well. But it was huge. Like it was so big. And then I was trying to like. As soon as we were getting closer and closer and closer, I just started getting so nervous. And I was like, Harry, I'm really fucking nervous, like really way more nervous than normal. And he was like, you'll be fine. Like, stop thinking about your your rivals. I was like, I'm not thinking about my rivals. <laughs> and you, you're <laughs> obviously like, talking I'm about... I'm just really nervous. Yeah, you, you talk about coach Javi uh, Delgado, who, who yeah. has... Yeah, competed around the world at a super elite level. Like, so he's fought at he, he major, has two, major events. Two para, he's got two Paris medals. Which is insane. He knows what it's like to have <laughs> yeah. an an unbelievable um, crowd. But, and he's he's beaten uh, the French in for the medal fights. <sighs> so he knows what it's like. But it's just, Comey Games is just not the same. It's yeah. just different. It's just mm-hmm. different because it's important on so many different levels to so many different people who normally aren't, I'd go as far as saying, aren't even involved in general. Like maybe are once in a while because maybe their kid goes to a club. Yeah. But when it's Commonwealth Games, it's like, we don't care who you are. If you're fighting for our country, then we're with you. Love that. And then, and then if you're fighting against a different country that isn't Great Britain, they were also with you. So you even had like British and English, um, you could hear them in the crowd if you were fighting against um, Malaysia or yeah. South Africa, because although you're not English, you're still closer to, you're part of GB team. It's just amazing. And the atmosphere, well, you know yourself, the the lights, the DJ, like Javi was, Javi was like, there's a DJ, like telling everybody how incredible the atmosphere was. He loved it. He had an absolute ball. They like loved it. Oh, I love it. Again, it's such a, it was such a show and it's such a shame that there's nothing like that. It was amazing. I know. Um, It would be, it, it would be class, but then it wouldn't be special or it wouldn't be the same as special. What, what are your memories of the day? Like, and when did you doing know judo things were on going a stage. well? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing judo on a stage was like, I think maybe, I don't know if I realised until afterwards that I was on a stage. Um, because I was going up, up the steps onto the mat and I did that at the start of the day so that I knew how that was going to feel. But then you put all the people in their places and it's just not the same. Once the lights are out for the bronze, the stage was like a lot higher. <laughs> um, um, 
Yeah, I think doing doing judo on the on the stage is something that you. I don't know. For me, it kind of made a difference. Like it, it kind of marked me a little bit. I don't know why. Love that, and again, like you, you start the day uh, in the worst way possible. Obviously, <laughs> to Achelia. Um, how do you pick yourself up from that? Like again, knowing that you now have to fight your way back into it, and you yeah, and end up against Lily, the other British girl in in the bronze yeah. medal match. So, after my first fight, I knew I had Italia. And the thing is, is I knew I could beat her. I know I can beat her. And after that fight, I felt even more like, okay, now I know I can beat her. Okay. Because Italia is a really, really tough, a really tough fighter. Um, and we don't really get to fight all that much because me living far away like I don't I don't get to go to the squad trainings and that and it's it's difficult um and as well as that I was just like I said super nervous so when I lost that fight although on a long long term scale my my mind was working saying okay well I know what I have to work on I I know like my sensations I know like this was good I know like I had a lot of positive thinking, yeah. but I was really pissed off. I was really, <laughs> really pissed off. And I, how did I get my head back into it? Well, as soon as I finished that fight, I got pulled into interviews, which was the last thing I wanted. And they were basically telling me um, that my day was over and they obviously didn't understand how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, can, can you like ask really quickly because I actually have to get ready for my next fight? And they're like, oh, all right. And I was like, yeah, I also don't really want to be thinking about having just lost. So that was kind of, that threw me off again. Like that put me a little bit more down and I was a bit more pissed off because I was like, look, stop talking about it. <laughs> um, everybody's just seen it. And what got me back was, was Javi. Like, Javi came down out of the stands and was speaking to me for a while. And he was like, we're going to talk about this. And you know that I'm going to give you a bit of shit for all of it. But not not right now. Like, now we have to leave that and focus on the next fight. Because on the next fight, that gets you to fight for bronze. So you have to win this fight. Because like, I don't care if you don't feel like fighting anymore. It's not an option. <laughs> So we had um, a game plan for every person in the way. Mm-hmm. So it was just going over the game plan again for the next person and forgetting about the last fight because because otherwise you can't keep going. <laughs> Love that. It's just re- refocusing. And then coming out for that bronze medal, um, is there pressure on that? Like knowing again only, that there's, there's people out in the crowd, there's only pressure. <laughs> there's only pressure. <laughs> What's only that like? Pressure. Again, going up against Lily, who another British fighter. Um, one of one of my best mates as well. <laughs> <laughs> so talk yeah. us through that fight. So 
I don't really remember how I felt when I when I knew that I was against her. I think I kind of blocked out letting myself think anything. Um, I mean, she's one of my main rivals in in Great Britain. She's one of the the, the top fifty sevens, and she's always going to be my rival. But there's also that other part that we're very close friends. <laughs> Um, like she came, she she does training camps and things on of her own accord, and she was in Valencia for for a while. Mm-hmm. And one weekend, I just went down and I was injured, and I went down and uh, just spent the weekend with her, and just did friend stuff like what friends do. <laughs> so, and suddenly I'm fighting for a medal. That means a lot to her and a lot to me. And I was like. <sighs> There was other people in the category. <laughs> um, but after the fight, um, after the fight, I just, I kind of felt like, I remember thinking in my head, I've done it. I've done my job. I came to get a medal and I got it. I didn't really think about against two or, or how long the fight had been. Um, just I remember thinking I've done it I did my job I've done it I did my job <laughs> and that. and she she's the one that kind of brought me back to to feeling normal again because within a couple of hours like you know there's a whole lot of chaos after that but within an hour or two at the most I had a a photo from her of me and her hugging with um with the scoreboard in it um me and her hugging at the end of the fight and she said I couldn't have lost a better person today and I was like oh see that's why <laughs> <laughs> that that's why it's harder but I have I've no doubt that she when she's in front of me she also wants to kill me the same way killing <laughs> as in fighting but we're both going for the same thing aren't we but it's hard. It's extra pressure. Of course. Um, away from the judo, like, what are your memories of the Commonwealth Games? And lots of kilts. <laughs> did, did you do like the opening ceremony and the closing ceremony? Only the opening ceremony, um, and just like a whole ocean of kilts. It was, <laughs> it was cold, um, but. It was really cool, like all the different, all the different sports together, um, and the whole team Scotland. We didn't really get to experience much of what it was as Team Scotland, like out of, out of our own sport. But that was that was cool, like, um, being part of, of a bigger crowd, like of of other people that would be feeling the same thing as us. And then the day after fighting, um, me and Finley Allen, who also who also won a medal, he got silver. Um, we were brought to the Scotland Team Scotland House or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, with all the other medalists to do media days and have have a special dinner and talk with important people and that kind of thing, <laughs> which which for me. Is something that really I've never done. He was in the same boat, um, 
and it was something that just sort of marked us like we were getting pushed around and basically someone holding our hand to take us through because we were like completely lost didn't like didn't know all, all of this media stuff and um, but yeah it was it was something that kind of left a, a memory with me because it was just part of the bigger the bigger chaos at the Commonwealth Games. Oh, I love that. Um, kind of moving moving on from there, like you've talked about um, some of your rivals, like GB's so strong at 57s at the moment. Um, you've got yourself, uh, Lili, Achelia, and uh, Nakoda's obviously just making a return. And there's mm-hmm. a handful of younger athletes like uh, Josie coming through. Um what 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 does that mean for you as an athlete, knowing that there's such kind of strength in depth there? Mm. What it, do you mean? What does it is mean? it is it again? Is it pressure? Like every time you go to an event, are you conscious that? Um, and I know you've been yeah. out for a long time. Are you conscious that you've you've got to justify your selection or aware of what the other girls are doing and results they're getting? Definitely, yeah especially having been out for so long because you know that the only way to start making a name for yourself is also having a number beside your name. Mm-hmm. And that number is your world ranking, your world ranking points, which in order to be able to climb that ranking list, you have to be able to compete. And so every time that you get given that opportunity, um, I guess in my case, I feel like I have to do well, mm-hmm. which instantly becomes a pressure. So yeah, I feel like I, I feel like it's kind of a job that I do with myself day in day out of working with that pressure. Because if I leave it until the day of competition, then it's too much. Yeah. So I kind of accept that that's the way it is that if I get given an opportunity, if I were to get given a Grand Prix or whatever, then, okay, I have to destroy everything that's there on the day. Everyone, like, I just have to do my absolute best, but not just, like, happy-go-lucky, okay, let's do my best and see what happens. No, everything that I'm working on every single day up until then, everything that I'm charging and putting in my in my bag has to be for that one opportunity every time that they give me an opportunity so it's a really heavy bag yeah but I have to be able to use it so instead of like instead of letting it be pressure I try to use it in that way like I try to use it as um stocking up on ammunition and then hoping that doing it day in day out once I get to that day I'll be able to use it as ammunition and not let let it over overwhelm me basically because there's lots of us like you say there's lots of good athletes love that and makes it more interesting yeah yeah of course be also be rubbish if there was nobody else but it does make it difficult does it help then that like as you've alluded to already that you're training out in Spain um does it help that you are kind of 
outside the system or is that a hindrance does it help that you're on the periphery does it help with the pressure are you less conscious of it or does it pre- present more challenges I would have to say hypothetically because I'm I don't have the comparison as such but yeah I think I think as an athlete that's aiming for something big it's really really difficult to do anything good pressure or not if you're not happy where you are mm-hmm. if you're not happy with your life and that maybe sounds so straightforward and someone listening might go what do you mean not happy with your life uh, I think a lot of people are not actually happy with their life. Maybe they're just satisfied, which is okay as well. But if you're pushing yourself to your physical and mental limits every single day, if you're not somewhere where you can uh, open the door after that physical and mental exertion, if you're, if you're not somewhere where when you open that door, and you close it behind you and you put your training kit on the floor and fall into a, a chair or a bed or a cardboard box. <laughs> <laughs> she's alluding to the um, fact that she's sat on a cardboard box for this interview. <laughs> she's been evicted from the only chair in the flat. Yeah, at the moment. But if you're, but I'm okay with that because <laughs> this, so, so far or not, this is my home. Like, and not because I have the keys to the house, but because I feel it, like I feel that this is my home. And I think that that's, um, I'm gonna sound so old saying this, over the years, <laughs> over the years, it's something that I've, uh, that I've learned. Yeah. That as soon as you're, I also think it's, it's important to, to challenge yourself and to take yourself out of your comfort zone. But I'm not talking about comfort zone. I'm talking about having a, a strong base, like be, being okay in your base. Then taking yourself out of your comfort zone, for example, like I said, I'm going to Japan the day after trials for an entire month alone at Christmas and New Year. I'm taking myself out of my comfort zone but but my base is here and I know where every every fight that I have I know that I'm doing it pressure or not I know that I'm doing it with all that I have and I've also forgotten the question you asked me (laughs) that's okay so you you moved out to Spain uh to Madrid yeah in 2019 like where does that decision come from and what goes into it much of what I was just saying (laughs) um how do you know at that stage having not lived there how do you know that's the right decision how do you know that you need to up roots and settle or yeah set down roots again somewhere else I guess I didn't know that I needed to I knew that I wasn't okay in Edinburgh like how it no longer felt like the place that I was supposed to be mm-hmm. but I didn't have a I know where I'm supposed to be I didn't have that comparison I just wasn't happy uh, for many reasons 
and on many levels. Um, but I didn't have that comparison. And in 2017, I had come over, <clears throat> I had come over because Luke Preston, the Camberley coach, Luke Preston had phoned me and said that he's got a couple of players that are going over to a Spanish competition, a mm-hmm. team competition. And I was like, a team competition in judo? I'm like, that's cool. He's like, and they need a 57. So I said, you. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. I was like, tell me how much it costs, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, 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 they pay for everything. <laughs> I was like, what? So I'd never done Bundesliga or anything like that. So I didn't like understand the concept. And I came over and we were so well looked after. There was um, there was just a different atmosphere and it was so much fun. I won a fight and drew a fight. And then I didn't get another call. And I was like, I've, <laughs> I've done so badly. Like, I've done so badly. So 2018... I knew that there would be team competitions happening. I didn't get called even once. And I was like, oh, my God, I've done it so, so badly. And in 2018, I won my first European Cup uh, in Bratislava. And then I went to Malaga and got another medal in Malaga. And I beat the Spanish girl in the semi-final. And I saw Harley, who's now my coach, speaking to her. And I was like, all right, I've just just beat this girl and he's got time for her. So I went over and spoke to him and I was like, hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, look, I'm really sorry. He's like, why? I I know that I did really, really badly that day last year in the competition. He was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I said... Do you remember when you called me over? He said, yeah, of course I remember. You won one and drew one. You did great. And I was like, no, 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 I did terrible, and I know I can do better. I feel really bad because you and your club, like, he was like, this girl, he was looking at me like, this girl's mad. I said, I obviously did badly because you didn't phone me back. Like, you didn't, you had other competitions this year, and you didn't invite me. And he was like, well, it's because some Italians came. And I was like, see, because I didn't do well. I was like, please, if there's competitions next year, give me another opportunity. And now when he tells that story, I see his version. And he's like, she was absolutely How does he mad. tell it? <laughs> How does he tell it? He tells it similarly. And he <laughs> says that I was absolutely mad. But what he loved was the fact that I was like, give me another opportunity because I want to show you and my club I'm better than that. And he was like, it was just two fights. <laughs> um, so from there, we had the car. Uh, we knew each other. And in having won those medals, I then won trials, GB trials. And that gave me uh, the opportunity to fight a few Grand Prix and, and that kind of thing the following year, at the start of 2019. And one of the boys from my Spanish club was also fighting these Grand Prix. And most of the time I was traveling alone or with Alex Short. Mm -hmm. And and ended up being more or less alone or with a coach or 
Um, but Javi and his player were always there. And so they basically take me under their wing and then look after me and we, and I got to know them a little bit better. And he'd start uh, giving me some coaching tips or, or a little bit of help with the, this small amount of Spanish that I had. And once it got to the time where the team championships happened, he he had me for all three of the of the dates. Amazing. And every time every time I came over, I would stay for a week before or after for for training and yeah. do a couple of camps. And I was just happy, but I didn't realize it until every time I went back back to Scotland, and I suddenly just felt like I'm I'm lonely. Like I, this is not. I just felt empty when I would land. I just didn't feel like it was my home anymore. And I didn't feel like Spain was either, but I felt like there was a difference. And by that time, Javi got to know me a little bit better. Um, I'd made friends and all that. And one day he just said to me, why, like he knew everything I was going through and how sad I was and all of that. I said, what? why do you not just move to Spain? I was like, yeah, okay, why don't you just move to Scotland? (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, no, no, seriously, like, why do you not? And I started thinking and I was like, "Um, I suppose I can make you a list of, and he was like, okay, make me a list. And the list pointed at at Spain. (laughs) So I moved. I I took everything that I owned in my flat for my flat, filled my car, and drove to Spain. You drove to Spain? How amazing. Yes. Do you know what? I don't know how you would otherwise move to Spain. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> from Edinburgh to Madrid. Wow. Yeah, I drove from Edinburgh to, um, what's it called? Plymouth. Yeah. Plymouth. Plymouth. Got Plymouth got the 24-hour bus, uh, bus boat mm-hmm. uh, to Santander. And then from Santander, I drove uh, five and a half hours to Madrid. Didn't even realize that I was now driving on the other side of the road. Didn't even realize. Did not even realize. It was the most surreal journey ever. On that journey... How much of the like were you content you made the right decision, or on that journey, are you spending most of that day, day and a half, going, What am I doing? That journey was like I said, surreal. I left um really early in the morning, and the GPS was also already telling me that I wasn't making it in time to get to the boat, and I was like, How, how, how? (laughs) So, I think I stopped. I stopped twice, once because I was going to let myself <laughs> and I had to stop and I sprinted into the to the services and sprinted back out and the second time because I didn't have any any petrol left. James, I phoned, I phoned the boat people. I said, please wait for me, <laughs> I'm coming. And they're like, you're fine. I was like, no, 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 my GPS says I'm not making it. I was only concentrated on getting to the boat. (laughs) I drove for like 12 hours straight or something like that. Got there and literally, you know how when you go on a boat on a car, 
uh, with cars. There's like loads and loads of cars waiting to go on. There was maybe six or seven mm-hmm. left. So I literally went through. I was like, my passport. <laughs> Put it in my bag. And I was like, could I go? And they're like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I was like, okay, room. <laughs> as soon as I was on the boat, they gave you like your room. Once I was in my room, I was like, okay, I think I'm moving to Spain. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't realize. And I slept for 13 hours straight. I got up in the morning, which was now half two in the afternoon. Um, and I went upstairs to have, have breakfast, but it was lunchtime. I sat down with a salad and I was like, in, in a few hours, I'm in Spain. And I was like, still waking up. And I could hear these people talking about, yeah, two judokas that have moved from England to Irish nationality. Yeah, um, yeah, Megan and Ben are called. And I was like, what, what is going on? <laughs> I didn't understand anything. I was in the middle of the ocean on my way to Spain to live in Spain. And there's people right next to me. Talking about an you. Elderly, elderly couple talking about Megan and, and Ben Fletcher and judo. I still, to this day, don't know if that was true or not. Because, <laughs> yeah, so why would it not be? But why would it not be? Because why else would I be hearing these things? It was madness. It was absolutely, you, <laughs> absolutely you, madness. Do you think the fact that in order to do judo, you've had to move to Edinburgh and then you've you've like prior to that, you've moved to, to Paris, like both at really young age and you still you know really young when you move to Spain like does it help you go oh, yeah, really I, I can do folks. that <laughs> <laughs> hey 40 next year it hurts <laughs> believe you me really young um, does it help do, do you think it gives you a set of skills or a confidence that you know this is just normal I can do this yeah I think so but ever since I was really tiny like um because of where I lived that we never even we wouldn't lock the doors of the house or the cars or anything. Like it was totally just run free and live for yourself. Like making tree huts and climbing up rivers, climbing up uh, trees. I'm I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I've been um, reading Hamish Macbeth, which is basically written (laughs) about someone in the Highlands of Scotland. Might be Uh, me. Yeah. It sounds, Um, (laughs) everything you told me sounds like you are Hamish Macbeth. Um, well, like, if I wanted to go and see my mates, I'd, and when when there was snow, I would just jump on my sledge and, like, pull myself down, <laughs> down, the, down the road because I just lived in the middle of nowhere. It, I've just always, I've always just, I guess, mm, made them in my own way with help, with help here and there. But I guess inside me, I've just decided, okay, I want this. How do I get there? On a sledge in the snow to build a snow wall with my friend that lives at the bottom of the road. Okay, well, that's what I'm doing. And I guess in terms of, like I said, the first time I went to judo, I just I just fell in love with it. And like, up bef- up until then, before before I even did judo, um, I'd crawl under my dad's bed and open the cardboard box, which I knew had medals in it. No idea what the medals were from. I knew they were judo, but he never even knew that I was looking at them. I just knew that I wanted to do judo. I didn't know how I was going to do it, 
But then the day that I went to judo, I just fell in love with it. Like, uh, and when, like, when I when I tell my story, it sounds like absolute madness, but in my head, it's actually really not that mad. Like, for a while in Edinburgh, I didn't have a car, so every morning, um, I would cycle to Rathal from the centre of Edinburgh, and I'd cycle there. And then we do judo, then we do conditioning, and then I'd cycle back. And then I'd have to cycle to go and give classes and then to training and then back. And when I say it out loud, I'm like, you're mad. But actually, I, I didn't Again, even think to, about it. And I don't because it's what I wanted. Yeah, to give people context listening, that's like a eight, nine, ten mile round journey out to Ratho and back in. Yeah, it was an, an hour out and an hour back. Yeah. So, yeah. Far, far. And if you're doing that twice a day plus, oh, amazing. Yeah. But you just, I guess, if you want something and you love something, you just don't, don't really think about it. You just make your way, I guess. Yeah, you don't see, you don't see the barriers. You see the, the opportunities. You can see the barriers, but they're pretty big if you start looking at them. <laughs> so, love that. Oh, Malin, it's been amazing. Um, before we go, like, what's next for you? you you're obviously competing at the Commonwealth Games. Is that you back to rehab or are you back now training and competing? I am out of rehab, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I am now I am now actually training, which is uh, so good. Doing doing real everything, real all training. Um and my next competition is next weekend. I'm fighting in in Dakar, in Senegal, in the African Open. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be at trials in December. And like I said, the day after, um, I come back here on the 12th and on the 13th, I, I fly out to Japan for a, for a month's training out there. And then next year, there's a load of competitions, like so many so i'll see i'll see which ones i'm at love that um if people want to uh follow like your journey from here towards paris towards wherever it may take you like what's your what social media can they find you on i should have prepped you i always say this right at the end and people go oh no idea what my instagram handle is (laughs) I thought you were going to say, like, should they take a car or a bike or, like, <laughs> what, <laughs> whatever, whatever they want. Um, my social media is, uh, what's the app called? Is it app? At, yeah, at, 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 yeah, we'll go on, with that. Yeah. So on Instagram, uh, M-A-L-W 57. Love that. Um, that's that's my, my account. Malin, it has been superb. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's been amazing. Um, yeah, good luck for, for Dakar. Um, Thanks very much. Definitely look out for you there. But I would love to to maybe check back in in six months, see how the, the, the journey's going and, and get you on the show again. And I say this to everyone and I've ne- I never manage it. But um, it would be amazing. You're not, you're, not, you're, not suppo- you're not supposed to admit that. <laughs> oh, <Lord. laughs> you're supposed it, to just leave it at that. And if it happens, then you've, you've done it well. And if it doesn't, it's because you're not ready to do it yet. 
like I said, it's absolute amateur hour over here. So I've got to be upfront and honest all the way through. <laughs> Love it. Guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. I uh, hope you've enjoyed all the not usual nonsense. Like, subscribe, share, blah, blah, blah. Catch you later. <laughs>